What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Aaron Thompson lived in Aurora, Colorado, with her dad Aaron Thompson and older brother Aaron Jr. Also in the home were Thompson's girlfriend, Shelley Lowe, Lowe's teenage brother, Rajon, and Shelley's five children. On November 14, 2005, authorities received a phone call stating that six-year-old Aaron had run away from home after an argument over a cookie. She has never been seen again. What would be uncovered would be years of abuse and neglect, and a little girl who may have been dead for years before anyone missed her. This is Aaron's story. Aaron Thompson was born November 30th, 1998, to parents Aaron and Lynette Thompson in Detroit, Michigan. Aaron would be the baby of the family with older brother Aaron Jr., who was four or five years older than her, and Lynette's four other children from previous relationships. As a toddler, Aaron was known to be talkative and strong-headed. Unfortunately, as far as personality goes, I wish there was more out there what kind of special little girl she was, but there isn't. It seems no one cared enough for this beautiful child to speak to her in a warm, loving way that she deserved. It wouldn't be long before Thompson and Lynette's marriage would break down. The relationship would be marred with drug abuse and addiction, and Thompson and Lynette would soon split. October 2011. Thompson would now be in a relationship with Shelley Mary Lowe. I've also seen her referred to as Sherry Marie Lowe. It's interchangeable in news articles. But Lowe had five children of her own. Ten-year-old Andrew Lowe, eight-year-old Tamara Lowe, six-year-old Kadesha Smith, three-year-old Eric Williams Jr. and two-year-old Kayla Williams. Together they made a blended family of nine with seven-year-old Aaron Jr. and two-year-old Aaron. They made plans to move to Colorado as Lowe had received a housing subsidy approval for a home large enough for everyone. Lynette agreed to move as well to remain close to her children, but she also seemed deep in her addiction and was hospitalised during the move, so she stayed behind. Once she recovered, Thompson contacted her and told her she was no longer welcome to come and she would never see her children again. He would refuse to tell her where they were and he changed their contact details. 
In reality, though, Thompson and Lowe would move in with the children into a two-storey home in the 1600 block of East Kepner in Aurora, Colorado. By 2005, Lowe would be pregnant and her teenage brother, 15-year-old Rujon Russell, would also be living with the family. Monday, November 14, 2005, 1.30pm. 38-year-old Aaron Thompson would walk into the Aurora Police Department to report his six-year-old daughter missing. According to Thompson, Aaron had got into an argument with 32-year-old Shelley Lowe over a cookie and ran away from home about an hour earlier. This report would be immediately taken seriously. I mean, who lets a six-year-old run out of the door and into God knows what? But police would meet Thompson back at his home only minutes later. Police would later note in their initial report the strange behaviour of Thompson and Lowe, that neither Thompson nor Lowe appeared panicked or upset over Aaron's disappearance. When asked where they thought Aaron would run off to, they said they didn't know, that the only time Lowe showed any real emotion was when the police started questioning her children. And then Thompson told police that Aaron was seven, before later correcting himself that she had only just turned six. When asked for a photo of the young girl to share with the media, the only photo they had was an extremely blurry one taken a year and a half ago, taken when Aaron was four years old, during a summer 2004 holiday to the Grand Canyon. Now with the photo, I know I excused this in the Adji Dessa episode, that there were no recent photos, But Adji was also very well known in the community. He went to school every day. He was seen by numerous people on the day of his disappearance. But the Thompson Lowe neighbours would later state they don't remember ever seeing Aaron, that the other children would regularly be seen getting on and off the school bus, even though they never played outside. And despite being at an age where she should be in the first grade, Aaron had never attended a school, She wasn't even registered as a homeschooler. Thompson would later excuse this as him not having a birth certificate or immunisation records. But I have been in a situation where I had to leave my environment very quickly with my children, and I didn't have these things either. Schools will work with you. They will give you exemptions for a period of time to get these things together and still allow you to register your child for school. And as police would later discover, Thompson had Aaron's birth certificate in his possession. But no one outside the home had seen Aaron in what seemed like over a year. And with what you will later learn, it almost seemed like she didn't exist. And that's a difference between Aggie's situation and this one. But I digress. This would not be the only strange behaviour from Thompson and Lowe. Between 8 and 9pm, while officers were still desperately searching for Aaron as the snow and icy temperatures dropped below freezing, Thompson announced he was tired and he went to bed, but not before agreeing to a formal interview at the police headquarters later that night. But this never happened, and he would allege he fell asleep on the stairs of his home between 10 and 11pm. And not only did this interview never take place, from this time onwards, 
Thompson and Lowe would stop all cooperation with the Aurora Police Department. For the next two days, more than 70 police officers and volunteers from the Aurora Police Department, the FBI, and the National Centre for Missing and Exploited Children would put all their time and resources into looking for little Aaron. They would go door-to-door questioning all the local residents, making reverse 911 calls. They would search construction sites in a creek near the Thompson Low home. Officers would even stop a waste management truck several blocks from the home to search the contents. Bloodhounds would be brought in, and they would track her scent for a few miles before stopping at an empty field near Chambers Avenue. Officers searched this open lot and the nearby garbage bins, but that turned up nothing. Several potential witness sightings were also followed up, including a girl matching Aaron's description and clothing at a local Wendy's, and a bus driver seeing a girl that looked like Aaron near a 7-Eleven at East Mississippi Avenue and South Chambers Roads. But all sightings would prove not to be Aaron, instead a mistaken identity. Then on November 17, 2005, three days after the search for Aaron began, police dropped a bombshell. Information had been received overnight from someone close to the Thompson Lowe family that not only was Aaron no longer alive, but she had been murdered in her home by either Thompson or Lowe. And this occurred as long as a year and a half prior to her being reported missing by her father. This information came from Lowe's former partner and father to two of her children, Eric Williams Sr. Williams was being held at the Sterling Correctional Facility on escape and drug charges when Lowe paid him a visit, upset and crying hysterically. Lowe told him that she had found Aaron in a bathtub and she was bleeding and not breathing, that she tried mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, but she was unable to revive the child. Lowe would go on to say that she wasn't sure how Aaron had died, but it was sudden and no one was responsible. Lowe would then tell Williams that when Thompson got home, both her and Thompson buried her in a field some distance from their home. And the reason they did this and not contact the authorities was because Aaron had been previously abused and she had suspicious scars on her body because of this abuse and that Lowe was scared she would lose custody of her other children. Now, we know inmates, especially those with multiple convictions, do have a tendency to make up or exaggerate stories if they believe it'll lessen their sentence. But Williams may also have other reasons to want to get back at Lowe. She had accused him of sexually abusing one of her children, though he was never charged for this. During their relationship, there had been numerous reports of Lowe's parenting. In December of 1997, the family were referred to social services for Lowe and Williams leaving their three small children alone in a motel room overnight. And then in January 1998, one of the children were taken to hospital with a fever where doctors discovered old burns on his arms and strange marks or bruises on his chest, and with no explanation from Lowell Williams on how these marks had got there. 
the case was again referred to social services, who found the now seven-member family, Williams had custody of his two other children at this stage, but the seven-member family were living in a small motel room with only two beds. The state of the room was disgusting, with rotten food and dirty diapers everywhere. The worker wrote in their report, quote, Mother was overwhelmed and did not have the skills necessary to manage a household of five children, unquote. This is the last report I could find prior to Lowe meeting Thompson in March 1998. Another report was received by social services of two of the children showing to school hungry and dirty, covered in bruises. When they were interviewed, the two children who were aged five and six years old said their mother had hit them with a belt and she would leave them home alone. That the six-year-old was scared for his five-year-old sister because she would be hit far worse than him, sometimes to a point where she would lose consciousness. Unfortunately, despite all these reports, nothing was ever done. All were closed unfounded and the abuse seemingly continued. Two more witnesses would come forward with suspicious conversations with Lowe. Lowe's friend Tabitha Grave would contact the police with similar accounts to that of Williams. During the summer or fall of 2004, Lowe and Tabitha were out driving in her car when the conversation turned to Aaron. Lowe would start shaking and crying to the point where she was gasping for breath. She confided in Tabitha that Aaron had died in her sleep about a month prior, but because of fear of losing custody of the other children, the couple had decided not to call 911. And instead, Thompson took Aaron's body away in his car and came back hours later, not telling Lowe what he had done with the body, only that it was somewhere that no one would ever find her. Now, obviously, Tabitha was shocked with this, but also didn't entirely believe Lowe's story because of previous conversations where Lowe told Tabitha she did not like Aaron and how the two would frequently clash. So Tabitha started recording their conversations. In these conversations, Lowe would talk about Aaron being dead and how they would place flowers on her grave. She also would beg Tabitha not to go to the police because she didn't want to go to jail and lose her children. These recordings would later be handed over to the police and used in the criminal trial against Thompson. And finally, Lowe's aunt, Velma Jean, would come forward to police with several concerning conversations she had with her niece. That in the summer of 2003... Lowe called her and asked her what to do if a child stops breathing, that either herself or Thompson were disciplining Aaron, which one isn't clear from my research, but they were disciplining Aaron and she passed out. Velma was confused why Lowe had called her and not the paramedics, so she told her to call 911 immediately. Velma and Lowe would speak every day, so when Lowe called her the next day, Velma asked Lowe how Aaron was. All Lowe would allegedly respond with was, quote, I took care of it, unquote. Lowe would never mention Aaron again after this conversation and would always change the subject if Velma brought her up. The next time Lowe would speak of her was after they reported Aaron missing. 
Despite William's lengthy criminal record, the police took his statement seriously, especially when teamed with the other statements and the lack of cooperation from Lowen Thompson. Although at the time, family spokesperson and family friend Sam Riddle would publicly deny Lowen Thompson weren't cooperating, and he called it, quote-unquote, pure hogwash. But despite this, no one had seen or spoken to the little girl in over a year, and the fact that the police had been called to the Low Thompson home 20 times in a three-year period, leading up to Aaron's disappearance, many of these reports were due to the older children running away. But other calls were for civil disputes, family violence, and welfare checks on the other children. It would be around this time when the seven other children, all aged between 15 and 6 years old, they were removed from the home and taken into protective custody. The reasoning behind this was because of the suspected neglect and poor living conditions. Lowen Thompson being allowed supervised visitation only. It was also made public that once Lowe's and Thompson's baby girl, who was due early December, was born then she would be immediately taken into protective custody as well. And now the children were separated from their parents, investigators were able to interview them with the support and assistance from a child psychologist. And this was to hopefully get a clearer picture of what happened to Aaron. When police initially interviewed the children with their parents in the days after Aaron was last seen, they supported their parents' story. They would tell the police Aaron's favourite foods and favourite colours, what costume she wore on Halloween. She was a witch. But after they were placed into foster care, a different picture emerged. The children were now saying Lowe told them to lie, that they hadn't seen Aaron in over a year. 15-year-old Rajon in particular so that he had lived with the family since August 2004, more than a year prior, and he didn't even know Aaron existed, that he had never seen her. As far as the other children knew, though, was that Aaron was there one day in 2003, and then the next, she wasn't, with Lowen Thompson telling them that she had gone to live with her biological mother in Michigan. And shortly afterwards, all of Aaron's belongings were placed in a box in the basement. Lowe and Thompson would continue denying any involvement in the little girl's disappearance. And despite not being able to talk to the police, they took part in a media interview with the Denver Channel against the advice of their then lawyer. She would resign days later because of it. Thompson telling the Denver Channel, quote, No, I did not kill her. I'm still looking for my daughter. My parents are still looking for my daughter. My family is still looking for my daughter. If they have an investigation against me, okay. But why stop looking for my daughter? Unquote. Early December 2005, with the children now removed from the home and damning statements against their parents, investigators now got warrants to search the property. There was no evidence Aaron lived there. No toothbrush and no mattress. There would be claims this was because she slept with her five-year-old stepsister. But when questioned about this, the child would deny this was ever the case. 
This was seemingly supported with none of Aaron's DNA being found on the bedding or on the mattress. But what investigators did find in the home was fake identification cards with Lowe's picture on them, but in all different names, and falsified documents where Lowe claimed her brother Rajon as her own child. Unfortunately, what they couldn't find was any evidence as to where Aaron was or what happened to her. NecroSearch International also became involved, and NecroSearch International are a non-profit group from Denver, made up of expert volunteers such as archaeologists, crime investigators and geologists. Their specialty is finding hidden graves. They searched the backyard of the property, looking for irregularities in the ground that were consistent with digging. They would spend two days searching the yard inch by inch, but it was never revealed if anything of interest was found in their searches. Early 2006, investigators would step up their efforts and would interview upwards of 450 people in their search for answers. It would be determined that on the day Aaron was reported missing, actually not only the same day, but just two hours before the missing person's report was filed, a Catholic Charities social worker visited the home. Now, Catholic Charities was providing Lowe with a housing subsidy of $819 a month on her almost $1,300 monthly rent to help the family remain in stable housing. And a social worker would visit the home every year to determine if they were still eligible. This social worker spent around an hour in the home and she inspected every room. She would later state in her police interview she did not remember seeing Aaron at any time, anywhere in the house. Not only that, but Aaron wasn't even listed on the paperwork for the housing subsidy, even though Thompson was, her brother Rajon was, as were her children. Now I don't know if we can make anything of Aaron not being listed here, because neither was her older brother. In the months after this visit, Lowe would bombard the social worker's phone to try and convince her that she had seen Aaron that day. But the social worker refused to change what she had seen on her report and later her statement to police. Investigators would then discover Thompson requested financial assistance from the Hope Outreach Centre in either late October or early November 2005. And what Hope Outreach do is that they're a non-profit organisation who help families provide for their children. And at that time of the year, they do a lot of work helping low socioeconomic families purchase Christmas presents for their children. But when this application was pulled by investigators, like with the housing application, Aaron was not listed. This is far more suspicious in my opinion because, for one, her older brother Aaron was listed, but also this was just before she was reported missing. Through their lawyer, Thompson and Lowe would deny any knowledge of this application. May 2006. Shelley Lowe would die suddenly at age 33. Her cause of death was later determined to be due to existing heart disease, that she had battled with for most of her adult life. 
complications from her final pregnancy was also determined to be a contributing factor. Lowe maintained her innocence right up until her death. She would die without ever being interviewed for her role in the disappearance of Aaron Thompson. Early 2007, the alleged abuse of the Thompson Lowe children was deemed a civil dependency and neglect case and was put before a jury at a dispositional hearing. And this was mainly to decide what should be done with the custody of the children long term. Even though there was no chance of Thompson getting custody of Aaron and the new baby at this stage, let alone his stepchildren, the maternal and paternal grandparents both requested custody. It was during this hearing it was ruled that Thompson was the person responsible for, quote, this serious bodily injury or the death of Aaron, unquote. Now, unfortunately, any evidence uncovered during the civil case cannot be used in any future criminal cases, but it seems that possibly this was just the push investigators needed to take the next step. Because in May 2007, Aaron Thompson Sr. was indicted on almost 60 different charges, the most serious being child abuse resulting in death. And if found guilty on that one charge alone, he would be looking at a possible sentence of 48 years to life in prison. Other charges included multiple counts of conspiracy to commit child abuse resulting in death, false reporting to authorities, conspiracy to conceal a death, abuse of a corpse, conspiracy to commit abuse of a corpse, contributing to the delinquency of a minor, multiple counts of child abuse and assault. And these charges weren't just related to the treatment of Aaron, but all the children in the household. The trial commenced August 3, 2009 at the Arifo County District Court in front of Judge Mark Hannon. Aaron Thompson Sr. pled not guilty, with the trial lasting eight weeks. The prosecution argued that Aaron died sometime between May 2002 and August 2004, and that's when Lowe's brother Rajon moved in with the family and said that Aaron wasn't there. That the only reason Thompson and Lowe fabricated the story of her running away was because of the impending birth of the new baby and a planned visit from Thompson's parents, who hadn't seen their grandchildren in almost two years and would obviously question where Aaron was. Now, the defence admitted that yes, Aaron was dead, and that yes, Thompson did help cover up her death. But this was after the fact, that it was Lowe who had actually killed her, and he only helped so to not lose custody of the other children that Aaron was buried in a park far away from the family home, in a place that no one would ever find her. All the children would testify against their father and stepfather during the trial, all saying their version of the same events, that before she went missing, Aaron was repeatedly beaten and kept in the closet for hours at a time, a punishment for her bedwetting, which at four or five years old, it's still quite normal and expected that they wouldn't feed her for days at a time and when she was ill or injured from her frequent beatings, Lowen Thompson denied her medical attention. In fact, 
there is no records of Aaron receiving medical attention since May 2002, and that's when she was taken into the Aurora South Hospital Emergency Department with an abscessed tooth. But it wasn't just Aaron who was physically abused, although it does seem as if she was the main target for the aggression and violence in the household. But all the children stated they were beaten with whatever Lowe or Thompson had at hand at the time. A belt, baseball bat, television cord or broomstick. Again, for quite menial behaviours such as sucking their thumb, making bad grades or drawing on the wall. Sometimes they were beaten so hard that they couldn't sit down afterwards, that at least one child would be beaten every day. The most damning testimony came from 14-year-old Andrew. He stated that one night in 2003, he heard his stepfather beating Aaron. He heard her screaming until suddenly the screaming stopped, and Thompson swore loudly. Andrew said he never saw Aaron again after that night, and when he asked where she was, his mother told him she had gone to live with her mother in Michigan. Andrew testified he noticed a bad smell in the basement a few days later, and this smell remained for several weeks, that his mother suddenly began attending church and saying nightly prayers around this time, and this was something she had never done before and never showed interest in before. Aaron Thompson Sr. would ultimately be convicted of 31 out of the 55 charges against him. This included child abuse resulting in death. Of the 24 charges he was acquitted of, these were mainly related to the alleged abuse of the other children. In November 2009, Aaron Thompson Sr. was sentenced to the maximum sentence available of 100 years in prison. Thompson's legal team requested an immediate appeal, but this would later be upheld on split decision. He currently remains incarcerated, whilst his legal team explores other appeal options. To date, Thompson has not revealed the location of Aaron's remains. Aaron Thompson would have been six years old at the time she was reported missing. Aaron is African-American. According to Thompson, she was 4 foot and 60 pounds with long black hair and brown eyes. According to Thompson, Aaron was last seen wearing a white sweater, pink sweatpants, a grey hooded zip-up sweat jacket, white sneakers, and a pink rubber hairband holding her hair in a high ponytail. Although this clothing description has varied slightly in several news articles. If Aaron was still alive today, she would be preparing to celebrate her 23rd birthday. Maybe she would have travelled the world. Maybe she would have been married. Maybe she would have had a child of her own. Unfortunately, Aaron will never get to experience all the life events most of us take for granted. She never even got to feel that nervous excitement of her first day of school, let alone graduate college. If you have any information on the whereabouts of Aaron Thompson's remains, please do not hesitate to contact the Aurora Police Department on 303 627 3100. If you have your own thoughts on the case we discussed today, 
or any case we talk about on Stolen Lives. Please search Stolen Lives on Facebook. Like the page so you don't miss any episode and join the discussion group to share your ideas and theories. You can also talk to us on Twitter, search lives underscore stolen, and on Instagram, Stolen Lives Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please share on your social media of choice and rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast app. We are now on Patreon, so if you are able, please become a patron for as little as $2 a month for early release, ad-free episodes, and starting this month, exclusive Patreon episodes. This week's episode was researched, written, hosted, and produced by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu. Close to breaking your personal best? Don't let diarrhea break your stride. Imodium Instance provides on-the-go relief within one hour. So you can get diarrhea off your mind and get back to breaking your personal best. Imodium. Calm the chaos of diarrhea. Visit imodium.co.uk to find out more. Imodium Instance contains loperamide for acute diarrhea aged 12+, and for medically diagnosed IBS diarrhea aged 18+. Always read the label. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.